The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep, uh, in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Thank you, Lexi. Beautiful. All right, I want to start off with uh, my second career is as a Santa Claus because I love Christmas and I love giving away stuff to little people. So I have some gift cards to give away to any little kids in here. I'm not just Skylar, you're in here. So I've got lots of gift cards. Oh, look at those. But you've got to answer a few questions. So I have some questions here. I'm going to start off with a scientific one. Multiple choice. Kids, raise your hand. Multiple choice. Are you ready? That means there's a couple options. In the United States. How much money is spent on electricity for all of our Clark Griswold Christmas lights? Option A, $150 million a year. Option B, $350 million a year. Option C, $650 million a year. Option D, $950 million a year. Any of the youngsters in the room have a Miss Genesis? She said, hey, that is incorrect. We are far more into it. Seamus, my man, what do you got? Oh, this is breaking my heart. Skyler. Oh, and last but not least, Mr. Xavier Lingebach. How much? C, $650 million. Here you go. Here is a Dollar Tree gift card for you. Come on up here. I'm going to make this next one a little easier. $10. Go nuts. Who made an ornament for their parents this year. Anyone? Seamus, what'd you make an ornament of? Uh, snowman. A snowman. You got the sweetest kid. Here you go. For your kindness towards your parents, was there a picture of your face on it? Yeah. Oh, even better. <laughs> even better. And finally, this is for the big dogs in the room. Did anyone help put up Christmas lights with your parents this year? Not just interior, the easy stuff. Talking about the real deal, the outside stuff. Skylar, you helped Mr. Tanner with outside lights? Come on up here, Skylar. Would you like Starbucks or Dollar Tree? Dollar. There you go. Merry Christmas. Oh, man, I should have been a Santa. Why is Christmas full of lights? It's like the holiday where lights take center stage. Lights on your tree, lights on your house, lights everywhere you go, candles wherever you're at, lights, 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 lights. Why is Christmas all about lights? It's more than just a beauty thing, and right? it's more than just the fact it's pretty. Here's the reality. Christmas can be explained with the theme of light and darkness. Like, I love Christmas Eve because we got new people in from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of experience with church or Jesus or faith and where you're at with the whole God thing. But we're all faced with this thing. We're in this Christmas season. There's lights everywhere. Why are there so many lights? Because Christmas at its core is about light and darkness. Period. That's the theme of Christmas. Specifically, here's what's Christmas all about. Here's what I would say. Christmas is about bringing light into the deep darkness of our world. And when I say Christmas, I don't mean Christmas like tomorrow morning when you wake up and your kids open the gifts and all that's great. I mean Christmas in the actual event, the first Christmas, the first Advent. Advent means arrival. The first time Jesus came, about 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus, who claimed to be fully God, fully man, was born of a virgin, 
in a podunk little town in the Middle East. That Christmas, that event is when light broke into the darkness in our world. And that's why we put up the lights. So remember that it is all about light in the darkness. And I want to read the passage that Lexi just read again. Here's what we're talking about today. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. That's Christmas. There was a deep darkness, but there's a great light that has come in. That's what we celebrate. Light has come into the darkness. And specifically, there's three beautiful ways I see light coming in the darkness. And I want to give you them this afternoon and then send you on your merry way to head off to Olive Garden and get in line. So here's what we got. Here's our first one. Christmas brings light into history. Meaning, a religious thing like this, especially if you're like skeptical of religion, a lot of religions don't have answers that answer stuff down here on the ground. They give you stuff that's up in the clouds, up in the, in the make-believe world, up there that doesn't really... Christmas is an on-the-ground answer to the darkness of the world. Christmas happened. Christianity is a real thing because it follows a real Messiah who really lived on this earth. Christmas is a real thing. It broke into history, and it changed things. But if you just do a baseline reading of history... Like, what's the story that's being told of what's happening in history, meaning from the beginning of time to the end of the time? How, how are the chapters of history written? So if you go way back, like ancient, ancient times, here's how people break it down into the Stone Age, the Bronze Age, and the Iron Age, meaning that's when we use that technology. If you get more like current, like the last couple thousand years, here's kind of how it's broken down. You got the Classical Age, which is about 500 B.C. to about 500 A.D. That's when the Greeks... And the Romans, the Greco-Roman world, ruled the day, the Classical Age. And then something happened around 500 AD, and we call that the Dark Ages, or the Middle Ages. And that lasted till about 1400 AD. And then after the Dark Ages, Renaissance. It's a beautiful word. The Renaissance happened, 1300 AD to 1700 AD. And in the middle of that, there was a something glorious called the Enlightenment. Now, out of those chapters, which of those seems the worst? The Dark Ages. If there's a, somebody telling the story of their life, they're like, oh, the good years, and then the, the dark years, and the dark years, the only correlation is the fact that you were in their life, you're like, that's not a good thing. And we've got a whole swath of time, like a thousand-year time, where historians would say that's the Dark Ages. What made it so dark? Well, if we look at just the next chapters, what brought us out of darkness it seems to be a renaissance and an enlightenment, a bringing in of light. Well, what's the renaissance? And you're like, I didn't come here for a history lesson. Yes, you did. You just didn't know it. Renaissance is simply this. People started in the dark ages like, what are we going to do to improve? Let's go back to the good literature, the classic literature. You homeschoolers in the room that do classical education. That's at the core what they're doing. Taking you back to when literature was good. We want the good stuff. And then what's the alignment? It's how are we going to improve as a society? We start using human reasoning and science and technology. And you got Isaac Newton and all these very famous people giving us the enlightenment where science blew up and technology starts to take over. And what does the Renaissance and the enlightenment do? It gets us out of the dark ages. That's how history is told on a baseline level. Now, who's the hero of the story 
told that way. Very simply, it's us. It's the people who pick up good books and read good. This is not an anti-book rate, by the way. This is just how people kind of tell history. This is scientists and mathematicians and technology and all of us humans. If we get our brains right and working in the same direction, we can progress and we will make this the best place possible. The dark ages will leave in the past and we are going to improve, improve, improve. That's a very human-centric way to tell history. But there's a famous African proverb that says this, until the lion gets to tell the story, the hunter will always be the hero of the story. What's the point? Who's telling the story? When humans are telling it, there was a dark age, and then when humans sort of opened up their books and opened up their minds and started really focusing on improvement and progress in science, that's when the world finally had light. However, if you actually open up your Bible and read, that's not quite the story. Because here's what Isaiah says about 700 B.C. There are people who walked in a darkness, and they've seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. The way Isaiah is telling the story to Jews 700 years before Jesus is there's a deep darkness. A deep darkness and a great light. Just to give you my own definite, what's deep darkness? Darkness from sin that covers all people's places, times, and is in every single person. Every person in this room. What's the deep darkness? It's the darkness over this whole world, and it's in each of us because of sin. Well, what's a great light? A great light must be a light that's great enough to shine light on all peoples, all places, and all times, and can give light to any person no matter how dark their life is currently. And Isaiah said, that's going to happen one day. There's a great deep darkness, but there is a greater light that is coming. What is that light? Is it enlightenment? Is it the, the hope of the world to cover everything that's bad, dark, scary? Is human understanding, reading, scientific improvement, technology, and just sort of self-improvement? I would say we live in the most sophisticated time, place you could ever live in. And there's still darkness, which means the deep darkness Isaiah talked about is something more than just an intellectual fix. It needs a bigger light. And here's what Jesus said about himself when he came on the scene. He spoke to them. Here's how Jesus would self-describe. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The great light is Jesus Christ, period. Books are good, learning's good, science is good, math is good, technology, all that is good, but it's not a great enough light to fix the deep darkness of the world that Isaiah is telling his brothers and sisters about. We need a greater light. We need a light of the world. And now Christmas is the dividing line in the story of history. We have a moment where there was deep darkness, and now there is a great light that is shown. Why? Because Christmas happened 2,000 years ago. That's what Christmas is about, whether you think so or not, that's what's going on, and that's why we turn on all these lights, because a great light has shone. Now, two questions with the light. How strong is it, and how long will it last? Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. So he says, my light's bright enough 
to get to any part of the world. Well, Jesus, how long is it going to last? Like, how, how good is your light? Is it just a temporary fix? I mean, these are going to go out at some point. That's going to go out at some Every light in this place is going to go out at some point. Jesus, how long is your light going to last? That takes us to our second beautiful reality is Christmas also brings light into eternity. Meaning the light that showed up 2,000 years ago in a manger being held by a virgin, that light is never going away. It's here to stay. Now, to make this point, I want to just, again, this is mostly for kids and kids at heart. Here's a couple battles I want to give you. Here's the first one. <laughs> Say Hulk and Spider, not Spider-Man, Superman, went at it. Who would win? Give me some answers. Couple Hulks, couple Spider- Supermans. I'm going Hulk. Next one. Captain, this is the one I want to see, Captain America and Black Panther. Two great heroes. I'm going America. You got to go America. Can't go Black Panther. I go Black Panther. And here's the ultimate debate that just never gets answered. You got my boy LeBron, who I'd say would win, and that guy from a long time ago, Michael Jordan. Who wins that battle? You get out of here. <laughs> Nobody asked you. <laughs> Who wins those battles? We don't really know. There's another battle I've been thinking about. Rock, paper, scissors. Who wins the rock, paper, scissors battle? It depends on who's got what. What if you take one of those out and you just have this? You got a rock and a scissor. Who wins that? What if the hands are switched and it's like, who wins that? How many times? Every single time. Here's the reality about light and dark. Light always wins. Light does not lose to darkness. It is undefeated. And if Jesus is the light of the world, he is undefeated. And he will never be defeated. And light will always win. No matter what. Like if you're in your dark room and you turn on your nightlight, what happens? You get a flicker of light from that nightlight. Nightlight sales are up to 400 million a year. I've been doing a lot of light research, as you can tell. <laughs> Here's the other one. You're in a house. It's pitch black outside. All your windows are shut. All your shutters are shut. Your house is completely lit up. Outside, it's completely dark. And you open up your shutters. Does the darkness from outside creep in and take over the light inside your house? Or does the light spill out into the darkness and your house is now glowing? That happens. Why? Because light wins every time. You're camping, my favorite thing to do. Pitch black. There's clouds covering every star. You can't see anything. And you start a campfire. Light wins every time. It's no surprise that the imagery Jesus wanted us to think about in Christmas was light because light wins every single time so I'm going to give you the three chapters of history according to Christmas here's the first one the first advent is when the great light first broke through 2,000 years ago a little Jewish boy was born to a scared mom and the Bible would say here's what happened the light shone through into the darkness broke through And now every Christmas since has been this one. 
All the in-between, all the in-between events. The great light is still shining in the darkness. It is dark. Some of you have very painful situations in your life right now. Christmas is not a chance to avoid the dark, but it's a chance to see the light in the dark. And every Christmas since Jesus' birth has been a reminder that there's darkness, but light is shining in the darkness. It's still shining. It's still shining because he who is the light of the world, was born into this world for us. And what we're waiting for, Christians, is the final Christmas, his second advent. He's no longer a baby. He's a king. And here's the last advent. The light will overcome the darkness once and for all. Here's how John describes it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and with him, Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That is the reality of every Christmas any of us have ever experienced. The light is shown in the darkness, and the darkness is not winning. The darkness has not taken any new ground. The light keeps shining, keeps shining. And what are we waiting for? The final Christmas. And here's what's going to happen. We're not going to shoot off to heaven. Jesus Christ is going to come down and make all things new. Heaven and earth are going to be joined together once and for all like they were once in the garden. And Jesus is going to live on this earth, a restored, perfect earth. And what's the capital going to be like where Jesus dwells? Here's how the end of the Bible describes what we're waiting for. That city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. Why? Because the glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the lamb. That would be Jesus Christ. There is coming a day where the light will completely overcome the darkness and there will be no more darkness. Why? Because Christmas happened. And we sit in this in-between space where there's darkness, but there's light breaking through in the darkness. And I want to finish with this now. Where are you at with all this? The darkness and the light are not just theoretical ideas I want to talk about. They're realities. When Isaiah said people walked in a deep darkness, he meant that. And when Isaiah said a great light has shone, and Jesus says I am the light of the world that gives light to men and women, he meant that. Like where are you at with this? Here's the final thing I want to leave you with is Christmas can bring light into each of our hearts. Again, if the first advent is when the light first broke through, in every Christmas sense, as we're just looking at light and darkness, we're waiting for the Christmas where the darkness is gone and it's only light. Where are you currently with the darkness and the light? Isaiah says there are people walking in deep darkness, but there's a great light shining. Have you turned and looked at the great light yet? The offer is for anyone to be able to have the light of Jesus Christ. Here's what enlightenment would tell you on how you fix your life. Get smarter and get better technology. And when your health deteriorates, cross your fingers that new technology is going to come in before you're done. Renaissance would say, just hold on to the classics. The American dream would say, get as comfortable as you possibly can. The new, the new wave of thought is be 100% you. If you're 100% authentic, then that is the light that you need. Are those the things you're holding on to for light in this world? Or Jesus simply says, I am the light of the world. Isaiah says like this, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who have dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. Jesus is that light that Isaiah talked about. He's the light of the world. 
and he's ready and available to shine light on whatever darkness you're going through that you've caused with your own sin, that sin has happened to you, suffering in your life. He is the light, and the light is not going to overcome the dark right now, but the light will enter in. How do you do that? There's a New Testament book. The Apostle Paul describes this, the light and darkness. He said this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where do we get that, Paul? In the face of Jesus Christ. Paul says, light has shone out of the darkness, and it's in our hearts now. And where do we get it? From the knowledge of God, only in the face of Jesus Christ. That's it. It's no accomplishment. It's no religion that I can do. It's no good deeds. It's simply, I look at the face of Jesus. And you only look at the face of Jesus with eyes of faith, because none of us see him physically right now. You look towards Jesus. So Christians, I want to remind you on this Christmas Eve, remember this. The simplicity of the story God has written in history. Isaiah said it this way. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. That's the story of the world. And if you're a Christian, that's your story. You walked in deep darkness and a light shone on you. You didn't earn it. You didn't create it. You just looked and Jesus shone on you. If you're not a Christian, Like, you're here for whatever reason. You're here to see cute kids. Like, the light is still shining into the hearts of men and women to this day. You simply look at the face of Jesus and the knowledge of God, and you can do that now in this moment. You simply say, Jesus, you are who you say you are. You are the light of the world. And this world is only dark without you. I trust you. I believe you. And like that, you're a Christian. That's it. It's as simple as that. So I want to stop and just pray and give space for that a second. Um, but let's bow our heads. For believers, and we love Jesus, thank him for the light. God, Christmas has many things to distract us, many lights, many presents, many sounds, many tastes, many sights. Yet if we have not seen the great light that Isaiah prophesied about, it's all a veneer that will not last. It's a mist that will fade. It's a flower that will fade. It'll come and go. So God, I pray for the folks in this room who need Jesus. I pray that this simple little Christmas Eve service would give them hope that darkness does not have the final say, that light does, and that there is not a theoretical light. There is a person who is the light of the world. His name's Jesus. And he's alive, and he's powerful, and he's persistent, and he's pursuing us. And he's pursuing some of us, even in this moment, to look to him, look in his face, and see the light of the world, and find the hope that nothing else in this world can give us. So God, I pray that happens now for the hearts that want it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.